Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. All right, so... Our guest today is recognized as one of the country's leading interior designers, known for her enduring style, attention to detail, and passion for architectural and decorative arts. Her projects are frequently published in your favorite shelter magazines. And last month, she published her third book, Extraordinary Interiors with Monticelli Press. Suzanne Tucker, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here with you all. We're so happy to have you. And we um, loved getting to get a, a little preview of your book. It's called an Extraordinary Interiors, as I mentioned. And I thought today we could talk more about an, an idea that you introduced in the second section of your book. And you were sort of talking about the life of a client's home, you know, both the built environment that exists or that you're building or, you know, that the environment you're building in, and then also the sort of lifestyle and, um, rhythms of your clients needs and how you you know sort of blend them Mm -hmm. together and you're shaping this environment to serve both purposes um and this is a topic we have touched on a little bit but i thought we could dive a little deeper no that's actually a, a great subject because i think so many people you know they either either buy their first house or they have their first apartment or hey, even your college dorm, I think they think, oh, it has to to either look a certain way or you see what's in magazines or you see what's trendy, which is always a slippery slope. And, you know, it isn't one thing suits all. When I was putting this book together, and it's been, I think, eight years since my last book, it's funny that it, I, I didn't come up with the title. I don't think of my work as being extraordinary. I think I'm I'm sort of too deep in the forest to see the trees, you know. And my book agent kept going through all the imagery of these projects and saying, "Oh my God, this is extraordinary! This is extraordinary! This is extraordinary!" And then finally, I I was trying to figure out titles, and she said, "You've already got a title." And I said, "What?" And she said, "It's extraordinary interiors, Suzanne." And I'm like, "Oh no, we can't name it that. That's too boastful, you know." We're, brought up not to be boastful. And um, she said, no, these are extraordinary interiors. So what I take from that, and granted, they are quite extraordinary, unique um, environments that, that I've created for these various clients and homes, but extraordinary doesn't need to be big and it doesn't need to be expensive and it doesn't need to be grand. Extraordinary is, I think, who you are. And I tell people, I said, what's extraordinary about you? What's extraordinary about maybe something that you like or your taste or a collection? You know, it could be a shell collection and you create this extraordinary shell collection and then you create your environment around what what is meaningful to you. So it's a very individual process, I think, of sort of delving down into the psyche when I work with people and starting a new home, either from ground up or remodeling or simply refreshing, of which 
you know, in my career, I'm now doing that. I'm refreshing projects I did 20, 30 years ago, which is really an interesting task. And I do the same thing I probably did 20, 30 years ago, which is I ask them, okay, how's your, what's your lifestyle like now? What are you doing? Where are the kids? Um, what about the pets? Are you going to have more pets? Um, you know, all sorts of things. Do you, maintenance issues. Um, how are you functioning in the morning, for example? Where does morning happen in your life? So I always put those kind of questions out to ultimately design a house or design a, a home that functions um, well for that individual. You know, you can buy house plans on the internet, you know, cookie cutter sort of things, but that's not going to necessarily work for everybody, not one size fits all. And I think that's where I think it's important from a decorating standpoint to put your own stamp on something. And whether it's a color, you know, your favorite color is orange. Hey, you know, give it a punch of orange. Make that unique for yourself. Make that your sort of extraordinary aspect. Um, and again, it isn't about budget. It's really about digging deep into who someone is and how they want to live. That was beautiful. I was invested. I took notes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do such a great job in this book about um, just speaking to that and who people are and just so many styles within the book as well. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how you keep track when you're doing these projects and shopping for them. Because, um, <laughs> you, you know, you have the Spanish and you have um, the French home. And I feel like your interior just speaks so well to those styles and I have I just don't even know how you kept on trend and not getting sidetracked at all well first off I have a marvelous staff so this isn't one person it's not just me I've got um, people who've been with me for you know 24 years and um, a really dedicated very wonderful staff and you know I suppose it starts at the top in that, okay, we're going to create this amazing space and a young staff member may not ever have seen a Spanish house or know what the French vernacular is or understand what I'm talking about. So, you know, I will say to them, I'll actually stop in the middle of sort of a design meeting and I'll say, do you know what I'm talking about? And they're like, no, okay, let me explain it. So mm -hmm. I, I love architecture first off. Um, and, you know, not everyone is so fortunate to build a fabulous, you know, Georgian house or a Spanish house or whatever it might be. But I do think you have to look at the bones. And that's what I will tell anybody, whether it's, you know, a 1950s apartment, you know, with eight foot ceilings. Look at bones. Look at sort of how things um, are laid out. And um, and also it goes down to, comes down to, you know, what is, what is someone's personal style? And a lot of people will say, I don't know. And I'll say, all right, close your eyes. You have no constraints. You can go live somewhere for a year. Unlimited budget, no constraints, whatever. You can just go live someplace in the world for a year. Where might that be? Maybe it's Paris. Maybe it's Bali, London. 
maybe it's New York, maybe it's, you know, Argentina. I mean, that's the kind of thing where you think, ooh, okay, so if someone says Paris, then I might show them imagery of, say, you know, a Parisian look or south of France even. Um, and I also delve into colors a lot with people because, you know, style is, style and colors are subjective. Um, architecture, scale and proportion are not. But if you like purple and pink, you like black and white, that can go across the field. It can go from English to Spanish to Moroccan. It can be anything. So I think that's important when I tell people, you know, ask yourselves, where would you want to live if you could live anywhere? And then let's create sort of that environment that is romantic to someone, the romantic notion of, you know, living somewhere for a year. No constraints, no budgets, you can do anything. Um, you know, who wouldn't love to do that? Click their heels together and go. Um, <laughs> but um, I personally love architecture. So I'm, um, I'm always the advocate for the architect. And I always tell people, you know, you've got to get your bones right in a house and or an apartment before you start to buy one stick of furniture. And that really is the most important thing is to get the bones right. And that can be anything. That can be from um, adding a crown molding if there's absolutely no molding. Um, or it can be something in a decorating factor such as, let's say it's an apartment with eight foot ceilings and it's a long, long room, horizontal room choose verticals, put a vertical stripe wallpaper, use a vertical stripe um, curtains, don't do Roman shades. They're just gonna create a horizontal feel. So you want to, you want to take your weaknesses and, and apply strength to them. So if that weakness is an eight foot ceiling with no character, apply a verticality to it, give it lift, make your eye travel up and don't sort of put that brim, you know, that, that lid on the box kind of thing. It can also apply if you've got a ceiling that's too tall, although it's kind of like, you know, you're never too thin or rich, right? Ceilings that are too tall are pretty rare. <laughs> we, love, we love tall ceilings. <laughs> um, but again, you know, you don't want to feel like you're sitting in the bottom of a well. And um, so a, a room that's small but has a really tall ceiling, you know, you have to look at what the scale of, say, the chairs are. Because when you sit down, you don't want to, as I said, feel like you're at the bottom of a well. So you want to hang a pendant <laughs> fixture, hang a lantern, hang something that'll bring your eye, take your eye up and bring it back down again. You know, those are sort of the decorating mm -hmm. tricks. And also those can apply to any style. And, and I love delving into a style that... I haven't done before. Um, and that was one of the things in this book that I really wanted to show a lot of the diversity of which I uh, work with and, um, and apply to my work. Um, for example, people think of me mostly as sort of more traditional or classic design, um, when in fact, I've done quite a bit of modern contemporary, but I'm gonna say it's modern my way. So it's not cold. It's not stark. Um, it's still layered. It still has subtle details. And that's, that's how I approach it. And that's not about style, really. That's really just about how I want that room or that home to feel. So when you're talking about shaping your environment, I was curious if, you know, kind of like, I guess, where, where, you, where you would start. 
if someone say has a home or a specific room and they feel like it's not really serving their needs or it doesn't have the the vibe they want to create or achieve ultimately what do you think are like the first sort of elements that they should look at or i guess just knowing where to start i think is probably a challenge for people yeah it is a challenge um absolutely it's much easier to go into someone else's space i mean think about think about your closet it's so much easier to go into your girlfriend's closet and say okay i'm just going to clean this out for you you're not going to wear that you don't wear that this doesn't look good on you this is too small this is outdated whatever it might be um that's where that you know extra set of eyes really helps but invariably people hold on to things because they think oh i should probably keep it and there's that little should you know i should do this i should do that and I always stop and say to people, why should you hold on to that? And if it's something as innocuous as, well, I've just had it for so long, that's not a good enough reason. If it was, well, it belonged to my great aunt and she was the one who left my mother, da, 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 whatever, um, that's the reason to hold on to it if you're sentimental that way. And I am deeply sentimental about furniture and pieces and um, very much so. So I will never be the one to say, you have to get rid of it, and even though it's sentimental, even though it's, you know, it was your great aunt's. I will say, let's figure out how to use it and let's figure out how to place it in the right place. Sometimes that's a matter of taking everything out of a room and that's that edit. And then saying, okay, this is the one chair I love. Put that one chair in there and don't feel like you have to decorate the entire thing right away. That's where I think people make mistakes because they think they have to get that whole complete look and that they should be able to do it all on their own and they should be able to do it fast and do it well. No, no, that's, that's you know, those silly TV shows, right? <laughs> that's not reality. <laughs> um, right, right. So I, yeah. So I think really what it comes down to is you have to take a hard stance um, and you think, well, I've had that chair since college and, um, you know, yes, it's sort of sentimental, but do I love it? No, because it's not very comfortable. Well, then, hello, give it to someone else's. As my mother always said, you know, someone's trash is someone else's treasures. And so I think that's a, in decorating and starting off on your own. That's the important thing to do. And hey, call that girlfriend in and say, you know, or, or, or boyfriend or father, mother, whatever it might be, and just say, I'm putting this together over here and I've got this together. Is this working? What do you, what do you see? Yeah, that's invaluable. A second pair of eyes. Yeah. What about, um, like you mentioned the shell earlier, getting the shell right. I feel like most people think of paint, but then we often hear from designers that you should pick paint last. What are, what are your thoughts on paint and, and choosing paints? Do you have any like secrets for us or things that um, maybe people do wrong? that you see out there. Ooh. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's talk about the, the things that people do wrong. <laughs> um, well, that whole trend of, you know, a feature wall in, you know, fuchsia. No, uh, you know, that whole trend. I, that's really keep that one for your college dorm and then move on and grow up. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the, don't do that anymore. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think really what it comes down to oftentimes is that people think there's these rules. 
Like, oh, you have to pick your rug first, and then you pick your this next, and then this next. No, you know, there's no, there's no set formula, and there's no set rules of how to decorate a room. But I think start with something you love. If it happens to be a, a color, you know, marigold yellow or whatever, I love this color. This is the color I want to be drenched in. I want to wake up to this color every morning, that kind of thing. Then start with a color. Or if it's just a fabric that you've seen or a wallpaper. And I think that's where the best spring point is. Color is, again, is subjective, as I said earlier, because what is someone's very happy color is someone else's disastrous color, you know, and I can show. I do my Rorschach test with my clients and I do it with fabrics and I'll hold, you know, a bunch of fabrics up and get their response. And they oftentimes get stuck initially in, well, I don't know, what would that be used for? And I said, that's not what you're going to think about right now. I want you just to react to it. Oh, no, I hate that bird. And no, I love that. Oh, I don't want any fruit. No, I don't want, you know, or, um, oh, I don't like stripes. Oh, never a plaid. I mean, you'll get all sorts of reactions to things. And that's, that's where you start. And paint, I think, is also one of those things where you can get instant gratification. So, you know, you might have um, a room that is, you know, just a white room. Whites can be beautiful. But if it's not the right white, that is tricky. And I always talk about multi-pigmented pigmented paints, which is when they actually do the formula for the paint, it's not just, you know, three drops of, of green and two drops of yellow to make sort of a pale celery color. No, it could even have a touch of, of black into it. It could have, you know, three drops of, of sienna. It could be this and that. And you want to find, um, you want to use paints that are multi-pigmented. And, you know, I have my favorite paint colors, but I'm also invariably mixing up my own paints. So, um, you know, I've had people call up, oh, I saw something in a magazine. What is that paint color? Well, guess what? It's Dixie Cup number seven. I mean, I, you know, I mix it myself, but I like doing that. Um, and nowadays, there's so many fabulous paint companies out there. Um, for example, Pharaoh and Ball, you know, beautiful, deep, multi-pigmented paints, um, Donald Kaufman colors, fabulous colors, um, deep, seductive, rich colors. Those are also more pricey paints. So if it's a paint that, you know, you can't afford to say, you know, use that particular paint throughout a huge room, they can be color matched. But again, you know, I would say take that white wall if you don't want white and um, do big brush outs, you know, two foot brush outs and several coats on that brush out so that you can live with it. See what happens in the morning and in the evening with that color. Oftentimes people just sort of jump in and will paint a room and then they wake up and they say, I hate how it looks, you know, it's not working. And, and it depends on your exposure. Do you have Northern exposure? Is it, is it a cooler light or is your you know, do you face east? Do you get morning light and then it's dark the rest of the day? Um, or do you get warm afternoon sunsets? You know, that's that's what you really have to take into the whole picture. It's not a simple science. <laughs> Suzanne, what is it about multi-pigmented paint that you think makes them a, the better choice? Ooh, because as the day goes on and the light shifts in a room, that paint color will take on um, beautiful subtleties. 
it won't look the same. And um, you can walk in and, you know, particularly those two paint companies, like a Donald Kaufman color, it could just be um, a nice off-white. And in the morning, it'll look like that nice off-white. But as the, as the day transitions, it can start to pull up sort of a pale celadon or it can start to pull up a pale blush. Or um, that's when those pigments that are within the formula of that paint start to come alive. And, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, um, I think, I think paint is underestimated by a lot of people, what it can do. What an incredible way to, to really kind of fall in love with your space at different times of the day too. Oh yes, very much so. You can't pick paint out of magazines. You know, it, I get those phone calls saying, well, what paint color was that that you used there? And I'm like, well, I can tell you what paint color it is. It will not look the same in your house as it does in this magazine photo. So, but uh, you know, um, I give it to them and they can try it. That's pretty funny, but I'm sure they still appreciate it. <laughs> yes, yes. Fortunately, I don't get the follow-up call that says, I tried that paint color you used and it doesn't look right at all in my house. What's wrong? So unfortunately, <laughs> I don't get that question. You can't confirm. <laughs> right, exactly. Let me click my heels together and get there quickly. <laughs> well, I just, um, I noticed in your book, you spoke to how often you actually um, pulled the colors from the rugs. And it might yes, be just a happenstance do. of what you, yeah, what you were started that room with, but you mm-hmm. referred to it in a few different places, um, these beautiful Ushaks or that that's where you've kind of pulled um, the bedroom colors from. So um, do you find you often seem to gravitate towards the rug or not so true? Um, if the client likes antique rugs, then certainly, because okay. um that it, that's a static meaning um meaning that that antique rug those are the colors if they are not antique rug people then you know you can do custom rugs you can pull, pull any threads and yarns and you can you can you know you take the paint color first and then the, the yarns so that can be sort of a spring point one direction or another um, but with antique rugs, invariably, what I'll try to do is, you know, I'll look at the colors that are in it and then pull out from that. Speaking of color, because I feel like art is such a prevalent part of your work. Um, and in every home, it felt like a, you took um, that surf shack, which, again, stylistically, the home and architecture was not per se a surf shack and the art really is what kind of gave that vibe and feeling so how do you meld those together in some of these homes which again you've stylistically made all the furniture and um, feel cohesive and then you bring in the art that could be so different and that's the chicken and the egg question as well because okay and as I say, some clients come with an art collection. Some are in the process of buying and others, you know, absolutely don't have art in the least. And they say, well, can you, can you help us with art? And I love doing that. Um, That's great, but I don't want to be doing it blindly. I want the, I want that process with the client and because, you know, otherwise it's just a hotel. You can slap art anywhere. 
And to me, art is so subjective and personal and it should resonate with the people who live there. Um, what I do love doing is, is working with people's um, pieces. And I oftentimes, when I remodel a house, it's really kind of fun because and I'll say this um, very sexist comment, mostly the husbands <laughs> get stuck on, well, this piece has always been here, so we need to put it back there. And I, I'll say, just give me an afternoon. I'm going to move some things around, and then I want you to, you know, see it. And um, I'll put things in very different places than they were originally in a house. And they look if I do say so myself, they look a hundred percent different and better and <laughs> it looks, it looks fresh. It looks it's, and, and they mm -hmm. are always surprised. They go walk in and they go, wow, I never would have thought of putting that piece there. It's one of those things that it's, it's kind of that icing on the cake for sure. Working with art and art now is certainly the hot topic in design. Um, look at what's happened with the auction houses and um, you know, where the sales are going these days. Um, you know, astronomical prices. And it's, but it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just that it's got everyone very focused on, on art and gee, what should I buy or, or what, what to them is art? You know, photography is a great thing to start to collect for people. But again, you don't want just everything, um, you know, a black and white, for example. And you can also, you know, mix things in with different mediums, which I think is really a nice thing to do. So, and again, you don't decorate with art. At least we all tell ourselves that. The little secret in decorating is, of course, we do. Um, you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna look at a wall, and you're gonna look at a painting, and you're gonna say, okay, this painting against this wall is going to completely, you know, blend away, not blend in, but blend away. Whereas that mm -hmm. painting on that wall is gonna pop and come alive. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, putting jewelry on. It's like, you know, the things that are going to enhance you, enhance an outfit and what's the background and things like that. Um, you have to take all of that in. Um, but it's, it is, I must say, it's a great luxury to work with, with people's art collections. I, I love it. It's great. What do you think, maybe art is the answer to the question that I'm about to ask, but maybe not. What would you say are the most powerful elements that people tend to overlook that can really change and adjust your space if you're trying to shape that mm. environment, as we, as we say? Lighting. Lighting. Absolutely. Lighting. That can completely transform a room. You know, think dimmers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but lighting really is um, such a key component because, again, you can put a great, you know, wonderful favorite piece of art on a wall. And if it's not lit well, then you're not doing it a service. And or if when you are in a room and the lighting is coming from, say, one source, it doesn't feel good. It's not it's not inviting. So to me, lighting is one of the things that people really need to focus on more. Um, and I always say it's, it's good to have, or ideally to have, um, three different levels of lighting. Meaning if you have an overhead lighting, if you have, if you have um, recessed can lighting or a ceiling mounted fixture, you want to then balance lighting that's at table le level. 
And to have that balance in a room is really important. Um, or even torchers in a room, you know, in the corners that can bounce light up and then down um, and dimmers, 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 dimmers. We love yes. dimmers too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we do I, love a, I love a lamp with a dimmer switch. Exactly. It's just the most satisfying thing ever. Yeah, that little slide. It's like, it's so mm -hmm. nice. Yes. It uh -huh. is so nice. <laughs> true, true. I, you know, I did, I, I didn't last night, but I was, I was at a friend's house and um, they only had the overhead cans on and there were these two great looking lamps. And I just, I wanted to go over there and turn those lamps on so bad. Yeah. I didn't. Suzanne, yeah. would you have done it? Would you have gone over and turned the lamps on? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I've done some <laughs> naughty things. <laughs> I've done some things where I kind of think, okay, how am I going to get away with this? <laughs> I probably, it probably would have driven me crazy. So I probably would have like picked up something to read and said, I, you know, I can't read this very well and gone over and turned the light on and just pretended like I was going to like, oh, oh, okay, now I see this, you know. And then, um, you know, just done something like that. <laughs> that lamp on. Um, I mean, I've done that subtly, like, like people's also lamp shades. And why don't people see two things. Why don't they see one that the seam is facing outward? And why don't they put the seam mm. to the back? Okay. Two, why don't they see that the lampshade is cockeyed and straighten mm -hmm. the damn shade? I mean, those kind of things <laughs> make me crazy. And I will subtly go, or like a picture on the wall and it's like completely tilted down on one side. And I quietly go over and I push it back up or, I turn, <laughs> or I'll subtly turn the shade and you'd be amazed what people don't notice you doing. I mean, you can have a conversation and just go over and tighten that, you know, lampshade and you just keep talking and they are not even paying attention to what you're doing. So yeah, pet peeves. That would be a good, good <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done more than that? Have you ever just moved chairs around Ooh, um, in someone else's house? Well, as a guest, no. And then sent him a bell. <laughs> um, as a friend, actually, I have said, let's let's rearrange the furniture, and and we'll just. And, or they'll say, I don't know where to put this or that. And then I, I sort of take the cue and I'll say, let's move furniture. I love moving furniture. And they're like, well, really? We're going to move this? I said, we are going to move this. You and me, babe. And, um, you know, probably not good for the back, but we'll do it. And it's fun. And, <laughs> you know, surprise their husband when they come home. Satisfying. <laughs> it's really satisfying. I got that from my mother. Mm -hmm. My mother loved rearranging furniture and I can remember being a teenage young teenage girl and going over to a friend of hers house on the way home from school and um Mrs. Reinstrom was a great collector she had beautiful antiques and so I was always fascinated with what new piece she had and invariably we start pushing around furniture and putting this table next to that chair and that chair over here by this and that lamp on this table. And yeah, it was great fun. Yeah. And she had, she had to be in her seventies, that lady at that point. I mean, yeah, there was always a glass <laughs> of champagne, always a glass of champagne to move furniture. <laughs> I love that too. That's a good, that's a good note. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For everyone listening, that's part of the moving process, glass of champagne. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Doesn't matter what color, that's subjective. It could be pink or it could be <laughs> 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 So 
I love that your practice really seems to be about curiosity mm. paired with discerning taste. I'm wondering, so as you go back into these into these homes that you've been that you've designed before and you're reimagining them, what are you finding about the spaces, about the clients, about your own work as you go back and revisit? Hmm. That's a very timely question because an apartment I did 25 years ago, it was in Architectural Digest. It was it, it really um, dreamy apartment. It's the one with the circular dining room that had the chocolate um, lacquered walls and dark chocolate, always dark chocolate. And um, uh, it she sold it about 10 years after I did it and sold it furnished. Uh, the client, the people who bought it um, loved everything, didn't want to change a thing and they bought it furnished. And wow. we had collected really good pieces. We'd gone to Paris and bought pieces there and it had really fine antiques in that apartment. So um, the apartment just sold again. And with the exception of one piece, the new owner bought all the furniture again. So 25 years later, that's a testament to timeless decorating. And that is, um, remarkable. That is amazing. Really remarkable. I mean, yeah, really remarkable. I get chills telling you about this. Um, it's a very special project to me because the pieces in there, I mean, I would have personally wanted to have a number of those pieces. Um, they really were very special. And um, so I feel very flattered, you know, number one, that, 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 that one project has held up in such a great way. But when I, when I go back in, you know, to a house or a project and, and everyone's lives change, I mean, our lives evolve and, you know, your, your homes shouldn't be static and, um, you know, the kids leave or, um, or you used to have one dog, now you have three, or you used to have three, now you have none, or, you know, the 18 year old cat, mm -hmm. well, no more, but there's all the scratch marks, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm invariably asking people. So, so tell me now this room. You know, you've lived with this for a long time. Like, where where do you gravitate to? Where do you go? And sometimes someone will say, "We've never sat there. We never sit over in that place. That that sofa. We don't ever sit there." And I'll say, "Well, why not?" And they'll say, "Well, because we like how close this is to something, or we like the light here, or or we need the comfort of this chair, or." Um, you know, it could be very subtle things or it could be something really obvious. Well, I really need brighter light to read now, you know, and this has a better lamp. Okay, well, that's pretty basic. Let's just change the lamp. <laughs> but um, but it's um, it's always interesting to, to experience how people evolve that way. And you're, I'm definitely finding now that people's lifestyles have changed, the way people want to live. Um, they could carry on the same lifestyle, but they're choosing to live differently. Um, a lot of, the, let's say in San Francisco or in New York, formal environments with, you know, a proper dining room, um, you know, they have proper dinner parties, that kind of thing. A lot of people don't want to live that way anymore. They said, you know, I've been there, done that. Um, 
I want my life to be different. I want my life to be casual. Um, I don't see myself doing that anymore. And not that there, you know, isn't an entire coterie of people still doing that, which is lovely. But I find it so interesting that people are choosing to very consciously live differently. Um, I do think the pandemic had something to do with that. And yet then I've got someone else who she's like, I am going to plan eight dinner parties. I'm going to have a dinner party every <laughs> month, except in the summer when people go away. And I'm going to have eight dinner parties and I'm going to just get back into having dinner parties. And I'm like, you go girl. That is great. <laughs> that is um, awesome. Yeah, it is. So I think it's also a lifestyle choice. Um, mm -hmm. And um, so when I, when people are calling now to say, let's live differently, um, actually like the surf shack was pretty funny because I was in the process of doing a house for those clients who did the opposite of what they should do. Their three kids were off to college and out of the house. And instead of downsizing, they upsized and they bought a house that was bigger than the one they brought, bought, brought up the children in. And um, he wanted bigger art walls. And so we were doing a, a massive project um, and quite a formal house. And then he called up and said, um, well, any interest in doing a surf shack? And I said, well, I'm a beach girl from way back. And what do you have in mind? And he said, well, I just bought a place. <laughs> you know, It's on the best surfing beach. I'm like, okay, let's look at it. And that's how that one started. So while they have a more formal house mm -hmm. in the city, they have obviously the more casual, more indoor outdoor living, um, you know, at the beach. And it's a great luxury, mm -hmm. of course. Um, but it's, it's fun that people want to embrace those different lifestyles. Oh, yeah. I think we'd all take three different style homes if we, <laughs> if yeah. we could. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's funny because. I've had my little house in Santa Barbara, um, oh gosh, 30 years now, and um, it's tiny. I mean, I call it my mouse house. It's, it's 1,200 Is it the one in the book? It's the one in the book at the very end. Uh -huh. It's the bungalow. 12. You're uh -huh, sitting the bungalow. in it now. Um, I'm sitting here now. Um, it is 1,200 square feet. It is minute. Um, it is, you know, slip covered, um, just off-white canvas slip covers on the upholstery, accents of blue and white. It's very simple. It's very peaceful. It's sort of my most peaceful place, um, which I always tell people, you know, serenity, peacefulness doesn't need to be any shape or size. It's, it's what resonates with you. So uh, your garden just surrounding yes. your home is absolutely stunning too. It's oh, beautiful. I'm sure that contributes to the peacefulness. It does. I must I mean, admit it does. Um, it's really nice just to be able to, you know, walk in and out. And, and of course, Santa Barbara's garden paradise. And, and it has very unusual light, <laughs> you know, very unusual light here. Because if you look at the, if you look at a map of California, it's, it's where um, Point Conception, it turns in Santa Barbara faces south. So it doesn't face west, like you would think. California, it's all west, right? But Santa Barbara faces south. And so you get a very unusual quality of light here, which has drawn a lot of artists and painters here because of the quality of light. Wow. 
Yeah. You also have to look at that. I mean, when I work in New York, for example, you know, I have to really study the light and how light works in a in an environment because that can also, you know, make you feel good or it can make you feel depressed. Well, ladies, I think it's time for us to answer a decorating dilemma. Everyone on board yeah, with that right. plan? Yeah. As long good. as Suzanne answers it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to read it so our listeners can know what our question is. And then, Suzanne, we're leaving it up to you since you're the expert. Good morning. I love listening to your podcast, especially the trials and triumphs. You all have unique personalities, pleasant voices, and are humorous. Thank you. That's so nice. Thank you for bringing joy, a smile, and tips in a fun and enjoyable fashion. I have a remodel just outside of Las Vegas. My husband and I settled on mid-century modern, a mid-century modern, modern style. His style was more industrial, modern, and minimalist, while mine was more traditional and cottagey. I must I must say that I do love the 70s vibe. So many questions and where to begin. Let's start with the, sh- the kitchen. Um, should we remove one cabinet by the stools and add open shelves? And if so, should we add two or three shelves? She's attached a picture and she's considering tiling all the way up to the uh, top of the kitchen wall and you can kind of see in the background that she has sort of a looks like a marble subway tile in the background um so she's trying to decide you know if the the tile is a good call and then she says i'm thinking of painting or staining the front door a navy or a black color what do you think and should i hang a mirror above the telephone seat there's a little um antique telephone seat kind of adjacent to the door um, okay. Next question. Uh, this table was my husband's and I think it's too small for the space. That's the original chandelier from 1987 when the house was built. Um, she has a vomiting emoji. So I'm guessing she doesn't love the chandelier. <laughs> what direction should I go for a new table and chairs? And lastly, we don't know what to place on this dark wall in the dining room. Do we add shelves, artwork, photographs, black and white photos, all of the above? Thank you for taking the time to read my email. Jacqueline. Hmm. I love it. What do you think? All right, Jacqueline, great questions. And um, you sent in really terrific photos. So thank you. Um, Too bad our listeners can't see them, but uh, we can describe them. This is what we're good at. So let's see. Um, First question is about painting the front door, I think it was. you know, I love what you've done with the, as you say, that 70s vibe and you've got that area rug in the living room and your seating area. And I think that needs to be the focal point. If you paint your front door a black or a navy, it's just going to draw attention to your front door. And, um, you know, while it's a nice front door, I don't think it's what you need want to be or need to be featuring in your house. So I would not paint that um, at a, a particular Um, strong color. It looks like in the picture, it's just simply a stained wood, which I think is fine because you do have um, stained wood pieces, your coffee table, um, for example, in the house already. So I don't think your front door is something you should focus on at all. But next to it, you've got that little telephone table, the cute little um, bench with the Navy upholstery. Uh, I I would definitely put something over it. Um, a mirror sounds like a lovely idea, 
but you need to always look and see what are you reflecting in that mirror. So I can't quite tell when you come in from the photographs what you might be reflecting. But for example, if you're reflecting the kitchen, you probably don't want to do that. But it's always nice to have a mirror by a front door just as, you know, check yourself before you leave or a guest comes in, checks themselves, that kind of thing. So if it's reflecting something that is nice, makes sense there, then absolutely. Um, but put a big mirror. Um, don't be shy. Take a mirror all the way up to the height of your front door. Okay, so go for scale. Um, let's see, oh, next question was dining table. So I can't tell from your photograph if your dining table is off center of the chandelier, if it's actually able to be under the chandelier or not. But judging by your emoji, you don't like the chandelier. So my first question to you would be, then why do you have it? Um, you can get rid of it. Again, someone else's trash is someone else's treasure. So do not be afraid to change this chandelier. Doesn't have to be expensive. You could put a simple, you know, Noguchi paper lantern there. That's very 70s vibe. That would be kind of cool. That um, would look fabulous. Yeah, and really anchor that space. It would also look really pop great. off the black wall. Exactly, off the black wall. There you go. Um, so if you don't love that chandelier, get rid of it. You don't need it. Um, as far as the table itself, uh, it looks like it seats comfortably six, um, probably a tight seven, or sorry, eight. Um, you know, that's one of those pieces that, that can be an investment piece. So I would say start, you know, start shopping, start seeing what, what lays out well for you. Um, and if you also have more friends over that you want to be able to seat more people, you know, is it the kind of thing where you can bring in the kitchen table and add it onto the end and then put a big giant tablecloth over? Um, you know, I always go for flexibility. Keep, keep your options open. Don't get locked into something that you can't move. Um, but if you don't love it, again, I would say start, start looking. See what resonates with you. Um, and round, if you have the space, it looks like you do have the space for round. You know, round is such a nice idea because it's very convivial for conversation um, and or a, a table that has leaves so you can expand it. Um, and there's, there's a lot of options out there right now. Um, and that might be a space where you want to have something lighter and not a darker wood if you're going to keep your darker chairs. Um, and that dark wall, I actually love that dark wall. So first thing I would do is it looks like you have an outlet on the wall. So first thing, <laughs> we, we, okay, um, which I'm glad to see. So um, because I want to use that outlet, but I do want you to paint it out black or just change it to a black outlet. Um, so it disappears, but I would plug in well, a pair of lamps. So lamps in the question. corners. Yeah. Um, okay. Does she need to actually change the like sockets or can she just change the cover or does she need to do both? You can just change the cover. Okay. If you want to get this discussion before, so I just wanted to check. Okay. If you want to bother getting an electrician in to actually change the entire outlet um, to black, they're going to have to, you know, 
undo the the electric um, cords and connect and that sort of thing. Um, but you can also just change the cover plate and then you can paint out the black. Um, you know, big black Sharpies are um, a girl's best friend. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> covers all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> great tip. <laughs> don't be afraid to use that. But the, the thing is, is that you've got an outlet there, which is great. Plug in a pair of lamps, okay? one Put one in one corner and one in the opposite corner. Obviously, you're going to have a cord that you're going to need to hide. Try to have either a dark cord or just a clear cord that can be tucked against the wall there. And then sort of tablescape. Put a few, like maybe a big, wonderful spherical object or something on that wall sitting on the countertop and then maybe a box always have odd numbers so don't do don't do two pairs of things always have you know either threes or five that kind of thing and then on that wall anchor something right in the center so it could be um it could be a big mirror, but again, what are you reflecting? And then you could put, say, photography on either side or art on either side, or center some big, wonderful photograph there, or do a collage of, of photographs could be really great. Um, but I think what you want to do is pull in your eye to focus on the center. And the lamps on either corner will help do that. Um, and then, yeah, Noguchi lamp would be, you know, very 70s, cool, not expensive, be great. And like so powerful. Yeah, exactly. It'd be this punch. It'd be really great. All right, let's move into the kitchen. So my first question about removing that cabinet that um, where the bar stools are is, do you need that cabinet for storage? Um, because... Um, you know, I can I can see why you want to remove it, but putting shelves there, whatever you put there is going to have to look nice. So obviously it's not going to be your cereal boxes and your olive oil, but if it's open shelves, just remember you got to dust them. So, you know, it becomes a maintenance issue. If you don't really need it for storage, it could also just be a great art wall. You know, don't underestimate the power of having a piece of art in a kitchen. That's kind of fun. But I do think the open shelves would be good there. Whether or not you tile up there, I don't think that's probably here or there. I would definitely, you know, put your tile um, where your cooktop is there and finish up all the way underneath the hood. But I don't think you need to, I would say don't put your money there. I would say put your money in either um, you know, a piece of art there or the open shelves there and not bother with the tiles. I think so. I'm, I'm just looking back through, but I think, I think you, I think you covered it all. I have to say, I am so impressed with Jacqueline's, um, space. I, like you said, I love her eating area. That rug is great. Her leather yeah. couches. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you've done a really good job so far. Yeah, I think so I, too. I just love your Noguchi paper lantern idea. So I'm <laughs> Oh, well, that's good. Um, but I also think, you know, the house has some, some quirky sort of challenges that I think have been addressed really well. You know, the, the, there's a slow pitch ceiling. Um, you know, you've probably got a plate line. It's probably eight feet at one end, but it goes up to say, you know, 10 feet there in the center. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's really lovely. It's a great house. And the angled fireplace, I think, is nice because it engages um, both spaces. So, yeah, 
Well done. Brava, Jacqueline. Fantastic. Okay. Well, Jacqueline, please send us some after photos once you make your choices and we would love to see them. And great job. I mean, yeah, that would be fun. What a beautiful space you have. That's got to feel good. (laughs) Yeah. I'd love to see the after pictures too. Suzanne, could you tell everyone where they could find you, follow you, see your work and pick up your brand new book? Well, of course, there's Amazon (laughs) or your local bookseller. If you want to be supportive of them, if they don't have it, be great for them to order it. It's Monticelli Press and it's Extraordinary Interiors and it's Suzanne Tucker, obviously. But Amazon has it and I'd love it if you get it through Amazon. If you then write a review, that's always fun, uh, fun to see. And then on Instagram, you can find me. I love Instagram. I'm not a Facebooker, but I love Instagram. Although I have three accounts apparently, but I love Instagram. Um, So on Instagram, I am simply, um, I better get this right. Um, I am Suzanne underscore Tucker. You should be able to find me that way. And then you can also find me under Tucker and Marks, M-A-R-K-S. And then you can also find me under Suzanne Tucker Home. So there's three Instagram accounts. Follow me wherever you would like. My Suzanne underscore Tucker is my personal Instagram. So that sort of tends to be less beautifully thought out. Let me put it that way because half the week I don't have time to post anything and I'm just like, oh, this looks great. And I throw it on there. But my other two Instagram accounts are done by Vera in my office and we collaborate on all sorts of ideas and colors and themes and love going down the rabbit hole. And I I put architecture and fashion and and Vera is um, just brilliant at doing this. And um, yeah, she's going to start growing rabbit ears. She's down that rabbit hole in a big way. So, so yes, please do follow me if you're in San Francisco. We've got a great design center. Come for the fall show in October each year. It's a great event. And I'm around and about. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. And I, I really yes, enjoyed getting you. to read through your book. It was beautiful. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you so much, ladies. Like it was really a fun. class. Oh, yes. oh, well, goodness. I know. Well, shoot me a dozen more questions and I'm happy to answer them. So you were so kind. Oh, well, thank you. I love that you're doing this, ladies. I think it's really good. And I think it's so important to keep education happening out there in decorating and design. It's not taught enough in our schools and it, it really does need to be and particularly residential design. So thank you for being part of the education factor towards this. It's great. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!